Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Rob Mitchell, who's the managing director of Global Lithium Resources, who are a rapidly growing lithium exploration company with a focus on two highly prospective, hundred owned West African project. Uh, have two West African projects: the Marble Lithium Project in the Pilbara region and the Manor Lithium Project in the Goldfields region. Uh, Ron is an experienced. Sorry, Rob, you might want to just you might just want yeah. to recap that. You said West. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep the Mining Podcast. And today's guest is Ron Mitchell, who's the managing director of Global Lithium Resources, who are a rapidly growing lithium exploration company with a focus on two highly prospective, hundred percent owned Western Australian projects: um, the Marble Bar Lithium Project in the Pilbara region and Manor Lithium Project in the Goldfields region. Ron is an experienced commercial business development and sales executive with over 25 years experience in in government, manufacturing, mining, renewable and conventional energy and resources sectors. Um, He's an extensive global experience in the lithium battery metals and and in the electric vehicle industry, um, developing strategic collaboration and partnerships with key members of the EV and battery metals supply chain. Um, Ron is also the, the founding member of the London Metals Exchange Lithium Committee um, and currently presides as the uh, um, chairman of the uh, committee. So with all that, um, that's welcome, Ron, to the podcast. How are you doing, Ron? Yeah, good, Rob. Great to be here. Yeah, appreciate your time. So wondered if you can give us uh, a little bit about, uh, give our audience a little bit about your career, about your um, journey. Um, and then also, obviously, tell us a little bit about um, Global Lithium Resources. Yeah, sure. Happy to, Rob. Yeah, look, I, I've been in the sector quite an extended period now, uh, more than 11 years. And uh, I joined uh, the sector back in 2011 after returning from an extended stint living and working in Japan. In Tokyo, I was working for a, a clean tech company over there, mainly in the oil and gas and electric utility space. Um, and I was headhunted for a role at Talison Lithium back in 2011. It's quite an interesting journey because back in those days, the Australian investors, um, certainly Lithium was far too boutique and the company I was working for at the time had to head across to Toronto to get listed on a TSX to get any sort of Lithium exposure. So I've seen uh, the Lithium market grow quite substantially since that time. And, and, and at that time, in fact, the Greenbush's Lithium resource here in Western Australia accounted for more than 50% of the world's supply from a single asset. So it was quite amazing. But uh, lithium back in those days was mainly used in, in, a, in a variety of industrial applications, including glass, ceramics, metallurgy, and also fiberglass, advanced fiberglass. The battery uh, um, demand accounted for probably less than 5% of total lithium molecules consumed in the market. So I've had the great pleasure of seeing that market develop over the last sort of 10 odd years. To the point now where you know really 75 to 80 percent of all lithium produced is now consumed in the 
rechargeable battery sector. So uh, after working for Talison for four or five years, um, uh, they were acquired under a joint venture between Tianchi Lithium Corporation and Albemarle, uh, which is the largest lithium producer on the planet based in the US. Uh, I was selling a large number of lithium spodumene concentrates into China. The lion's share went into, into China for conversion into various chemicals such as lithium carbonate, lithium hydroxide, and those two chemicals are widely used now in the electric vehicle sector. Um, and I knew the chairman of uh, Tianchi Lithium Corp very well, and he offered me a role to head up his uh, the, the international uh, sales and marketing team. So I was with that company about six years, uh, developed a significant international uh, customer base, mainly in the electric vehicle sector, and I knew uh, really the OEMs and most of the global cell makers on a first-name basis. So I developed some great networks and relationships uh, a very good understanding was developed uh, through the course of that role, you know, six odd years uh, working in, in, in lithium chemicals. So ultimately all the raw material that's converted into chemicals and really a good understanding of some of the challenges in terms of bringing new projects into, into production, but also the complexity around lithium supply and why it is so challenging and nuanced. Um, and then I could really see towards the back end of last year quite a, a shift in terms of the power base within the sector and I could see uh, a, a very fast shift towards the raw material producers really controlling the market. So the opportunity to sort of exit big big lithium and get down into the advanced exploration space where there's significant upside if you if you back the right project. And certainly I feel at Global Lithium I've done that. We've got uh, a fantastic company, fantastic board and management team, strong, strongly motivated by ESG. We've created a, an incredible culture within the company. We've got two... Uh, really, really prospective projects we're developing here in Western Australia, which is uh, arguably the greatest lithium uh, uh, jurisdiction on the planet. So we're very excited about the two projects, one of which will be coming uh, into development in the very near future by, by way of a significant resource upgrade, which we'll announce to market in a few weeks. So a very exciting time to be in the sector, Rob. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if you can just tell us about those uh, two projects in a little bit more detail. Yeah, happy to. So the first, uh, the first of the projects is uh, out in the eastern goldfields, um, uh, just out east of a, a town called Kalgoorlie, very famous mining town here in Western Australia. Um, that's called the Manor Lithium Project, and that that project has a uh, initial uh, maiden inferred mineral resource position of close to ten million tons at one point one four percent. We've just recently completed a transaction to acquire the the outstanding twenty percent of that project. We we picked up the original eighty percent of the project late last year. Um, we've now completed uh, a wholly owned transaction, so we're free uh, to develop that as as we wish going forward, which is which is wonderful, particularly uh, with this significant resource upgrade coming. So the project itself is an outcropping spodumene bearing pegmatite. Um, it's advanced exploration. We've completed around thirty thousand meters of RC drilling and about six thousand meters of diamond drilling, and the results are quite simply outstanding. We've been bringing the uh, the results to market throughout the course of this year. Um, and uh, we've got a mine of the future at this particular project. So very exciting time. As I said, uh, we've got um, a project director will be onboarded leading the feasibility work throughout the course of next year. We're anticipating a final investment decision early in 2024, calendar 24, uh, which will segue into um, construction commencing soon thereafter and ultimately first production in sort of 2026 timeframe. So Talking to the market, our strategic partners, that's the ideal time to be bringing new project uh, product to market. 
And what makes us quite unique on a global basis is the fact we're dual asset. So the second project we have is located uh, up in the Pilbara, a very, very famous mining jurisdiction, mainly famous for its iron ore. Um, it's, it's one of the largest mining jurisdictions on the planet. And we have a project uh, just south of Port Hedland, which is a major port. And um, again, this is a spodumene bearing pegmatite, the, the preferred raw material in the battery, uh, the battery industry. It's very easy to process and provides a very consistent, high-quality uh, downstream product. So we're very excited about um, the exploration that's ongoing of that asset. It's a, it's a far bigger system than we anticipated when we first started drilling, uh, and we're just soon to conclude a 50,000-metre-plus campaign at Marble Bar. So, again, we'll be bringing these uh, results to market periodically, but um, we're likely to be in a position 12 months from now that we, we hope we're in a similar position to be able to push the go button on developing that asset as well. So... Incredibly exciting time, very strong interest, not just from investors, but of course the the downstream piece, the partners, uh, the car makers, the major battery players, they're all uh, uh, heavy, in very heavy discussions with us around, um, you know, bringing these products to market. Um, obviously, lithium is found in many parts of the world. Um, just wonder if you can just explain to us um, the lithium sector within Western Australia. As you mentioned, a few of your projects are in um, an area with um that is surrounded by obviously iron ore projects and obviously in the gold fields with obviously some gold fields so be interesting to how uh, find out how you discovered those both of your projects yeah well look um we're quite lucky here in western australia where obviously it's a it's a it's an ancient landscape and hence uh it's a very flat landscape we don't have any big mounds we used to have them but they're all deserts now so from a geological perspective, we're really endowed with a whole range of incredible minerals, including gold and iron ore, and of course our oil and gas assets um, in the Northwest Shelf are, are world-class. Um, but we also have uh, quite a, a large number of incredible battery metals um, as well here in Western Australia, including nickel and copper and, and, and of course lithium. So there's more lithium produced out of Western Australia than any other jurisdiction um, on the planet. The Western Australia alone accounts for more than 50% of the world's lithium supply. And we have five uh, current active uh, mines and processing plants here in Western Australia. So uh, I'm very lucky. Uh, the geology really is, is, is the key for us, but, but also finding these resources um, re requires skill. There's a lot of technical expertise in terms of the the, the geology teams that that are working uh, for our company and some of the other lithium players. Um, and we have a lot of commercial experience in terms of bringing these projects to market too. And I'd like to thank our, our big mining cousins, uh, the likes of BHP and Rio and Fortescue Metals, these sort of companies who have really unlocked the value of Western Australia as a jurisdiction because without those companies, we wouldn't have these incredible ports rail and, and road services and networks that we have. And, and ultimately, without that infrastructure piece, um, it's very difficult to develop new projects. So again, right place, right time, um, and the right commodity in terms of lithium. Um, what's your view on the, the supply and demand of uh, obviously lithium moving forward? Um, I, I've sort of noticed over the last three or four years, probably three or four years mm -hmm. ago, um, lithium seems to be, was it was in the, the news a lot. Over the last few years, it sort of died off, but now it seems to be coming back into, into news. So, um, mm. yeah, just wonder what your thoughts are around that supply and demand. Yeah, yeah, and that's a good question. And, and look, um, again, the reason I've left Big Lithium to come back in this space is because I foresee a tightness in the market lasting the better part of a decade at least. 
Um, again, my experience suggests that developing new projects is not easy. Uh, whilst there's a lot of, um, I call them paper projects, uh, taking a paper project into development is 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 a big challenge. A lot of things have to go right for you. You know, here in Western Australia, we're lucky. We've got um, generally a, a, a community that's become wealthy on the back of the resources sector. So generally, they're very accepting. We've got a well-established regulatory framework for, for mine development, more broadly speaking, so that's important. And I've already touched on infrastructure and how important uh, that is. Um, look, I, my view is the market is tight. We'll remain tight. We're seeing experiencing all-time record highs in terms of pricing. Look, it's quite different, Rob, to uh, what we experienced, say, four years ago. Um, 2019 was record low pricing. Um, the reason, quite simply, was was sort of four or five years ago, it was all a China story in terms of demand. Um, you know, China sneezed and the rest of the world got a cold, and that's exactly what happened. Um, but now it's a global story. You know, um, you've got EV makers in, in Europe and, and US, and North Asia, uh, Japan, Korea, and, of course, China is still very, very important. Um, but also there's a general acceptance now that EVs... Um, they are part of the future. You know, consumers love the vehicles. They're, they're voting with their feet. They are more than just vehicles from getting to A to B. Um, they are pieces of technology. And, and my view, quite simply, when it comes to tech, is never underestimated. Um, so it's a very different dynamic globally now in, in terms of the demand piece. But also consumers now have choice. And most of the car makers from Europe and, and, and North America and even North Asia um, there's brand allegiance for their products. And that's something I guess China never had because China wasn't really exporting their cars um, overseas. But when, Vol you know, likes of a, a Volkswagen or a BMW or a Ford, um, if they introduce an elect electric version of a particular model, they have trust in the market. And that's really, really compelling as a consumer. So um, that's different. And, you know, the, the, the cell makers, they can't, get enough product that's the big challenge for the industry at the moment is finding enough lithium um, to be able to go into these batteries for the future so that's for those reasons I, for, I foresee the market remaining incredibly tight for the next 10 years at least yeah um, obviously you've, you've, been, you've got experience in the car manufacturing industry how how have those manufacturer car manufacturers been working with mining companies like yourself um, and how much influence do they have on the mining industry? And and again, how how they help in helping the mining industry mm. in developing not just lithium, but some of the uh, other commodities that are needed for the whole EV mm. market. Yeah, it's a good question. And I think um, historically, there's been very little engagement with the upstream. I mean, if you think about where the EVs are, uh, the car makers are positioned, they're right on the downstream. Um, there's about five steps coming back to the mine that they need to navigate through, including the battery production, the cathode production, um, then you've got the chemical refining, and then ultimately you've got the companies like ours that are doing the exploration and the mining. Um, so in the past, there has been a, a bit of a divergence in terms of consultation, engagement throughout the EV value chain, but I think that's changed quite significantly in recent times. Certainly my involvement on the LME Lithium Committee, um, that's inclusive of all parts of the EV value chain, and I've seen quite significant engagement. Um, the thing is mining is very different to buying a mining product or a refined chemical is quite different to buying a, you know, a car tyre or a steering wheel or a bumper. Um, generally, those products, you can have multiple suppliers all within a 20-kilometre radius of a production plant. 
And generally, the specs are quite similar. And, and you can store these products. You can build inventory and stockpiles. Um, but with lithium products, mine products and chemical products, it's quite different. You know, a lot of these refined chemicals have shelf lives. So part of it's been a journey of understanding the nuances because it is a different industry and the purchasing strategies from the car makers need to adapt and evolve to 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 really um, consider some of these these differences. So, yeah, it's an emerging space. I suspect that the car makers, um, we're already seeing make, making moves in terms of having direct agreements with mining companies. And I, I suspect that that's um, something that will continue to evolve in the coming years. Um, obviously, aside from being the managing director of Global Lithium, um, can you just tell us a little bit more about your role as the chair of the um, LME Lithium Committee? Yeah, look, um, that's a great role. I've been in that in that role now for three years, and that's a role that that carries on with you as an individual. It, it doesn't reside with the company, so. Um, the LME did some quite early market engagement um, because they were looking to bring in a, a lithium futures cash settle contract and looking to build advocacy within the EV uh, value chain more broadly. And as they've done with with other uh, commodities, they've they've uh, similarly in cobalt, they formed a cobalt committee uh, with representatives of the global cobalt industry, and they they initiated this very early market engagement, which um, I give them credit for because without understanding the market and the major players, it's very difficult. So they, they did that early ahead of uh, bringing in the, um, the cash settle uh, futures contract. Um, and I knew the team quite well. I, I was speaking at a number of conferences and developed a very good rapport. And they uh, they put the put the question to me, would you like to chair? You'd be the inaugural chair of the committee. And that was absolutely an opportunity I was very pleased to accept. So um, had the privilege of building out that community over time. It's got representatives on there from Tesla and Ford and Northvolt, uh, Toyota Tsushal, Goldman Sachs. There's a few trading entities on there. So it's quite a significant uh, committee. There's about 12 members. Um, and effectively, the role of the community is twofold. One is to, to really, um, it's advocacy more broadly. So where there's challenges within the sector, each of the segments within the value chain is to try and unpack those and, and explore those. And the second component is to really promote that uh, that cash settle futures contract, which I explained. And, and that is really about providing the industry a price risk mitigation tool uh, by way of hedging um, and also to, to, to develop a, a greater level of sophistication in terms of pricing products within the sector. So um, you'll see that continue to mature. The, the big challenge with these new sort of products is to build liquidity, and that generally takes time. Um, you mentioned in 2019, lithium prices were pretty low. Um, how have lithium prices evolved over time? And where do you <laughs> see the lithium price um, moving over the next five or 10 years? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. If I uh, if I had my crystal ball out, I'd probably um, I wouldn't be here having a podcast. I'd be tired <laughs> on a beach somewhere in Miami. But uh, oh, look, I, I, as I said, I, I foresee tightness in, in this market. So pricing, I think, just by virtue, will remain elevated. Um, just in terms of how prices have been structured more broadly within the industry, I think historically they've been very much uh, fixed price focused. So companies have taken fixed price positions for for periods under long-term contracts. But what you're seeing in terms of the market now is is very much a market pricing dynamic. Um, because of the volatility in pricing, particularly um, most sellers now are, are really focused on market pricing. And there's a number of global indexes that, that um, portray uh, market prices. So fast markets, 
Benchmark Minerals Intelligence, another company based in uh, based in the UK, um, have a fantastic reputation of of reporting sort of weekly and monthly lithium prices for a whole range of products. So, I think going forward, you're going to see greater transparency around lithium pricing as it relates to contracts um, between sellers and buyers. Um, but as pricing persists, uh, persists more specifically, uh, yeah, I, I think um, we've still got upside ahead of us. Um, looking at obviously the whole um, e- EV market, what role can Australia play in supporting um, the, the EV electrification ambitions of, I suppose, the, the globe? Because obviously every mm. government is moving towards EVs um, in obviously many, not just cars, but other uh, using it as an energy supply. Um what what would you say Australia? How can Australia play uh, play a major role in? I suppose the the global the the global sense of things. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, look, um, quite quite frankly, and this might sound a little bit controversial. I mean, the globe cannot achieve its electrification ambitions without Australia. It's as simple as that. Our metals our, and and our mining industry is is pivotal to the success of the electrification ambitions of. Europe, North America, um, quite simply, the resources just are not there um, in, in those jurisdictions. So, um, yeah, and again, I talked about the commercial, technical, legal expertise we have here in, in Australia and Western Australia in particular as it relates to lithium. Um, it's a peerless jurisdiction from that perspective. So, you know, we, we think the uh, the engagement with governments uh, is critical. So, and, and I will say that since our borders have opened this year, um, we've we've been visited by a number of government delegations from around the world, looking to to better understand how um, how Australian companies can help deliver these products to the market because we 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 do have a very good reputation. So, and obviously um, we're mindful of some of the geopolitical challenges uh, the globe is facing currently, looking to deal with our major trading partners of of which you know Europe of, of course is a major one of those. Um, and looking to develop, you know, refined lithium units to help support the electrification of Europe is absolutely key. And the other point I'll make, um, Rob, is that this industry, battery metals and electrification, is a this is an opportunity, first time in humanity. You know, we've had an opportunity to be part of an industry that is going to create a better place, not just for our kids, but for our grandkids. And whilst the oil and gas industry was pivotal in, in terms of um, the, the evolution, the development of society, um, it is arguably, it, it has left, um, you know, an environmental footprint. Yeah? And we hope that the electrification of the world's uh, auto fleets, as an example, will will offset that. So it's, a, it's an incredibly exciting challenge we have. It's an enormous challenge, uh, no doubt. But um, I think with a collective mindset, we can uh, we can overcome Yes, certainly. Um, and lastly, what's the outlook for Global Lithium um, and your projects over, say, next to, uh, next six to 12 months? Um, and is there anything else that you'd like to add, uh, concluding, um, that you want to mm. obviously um, can give our audience? Yeah, sure. Well, look, we're um, quite simply, we're moving as, as fast as we can. I mean, this is uh, this is a great opportunity for any company is involved in advanced exploration that has a resource, which we have. It's a case of getting that resource developed and into market as quickly as possible. So that is our, our, our number one ambition. Our entire team is incentivized and motivated to achieve that goal. So, yeah, I, I think the next sort of six to 12 months, you can expect 
major resource upgrade, um, significant metallurgical announcements to market. There's some M&A we're looking at, but it's just project development and it's getting uh, getting through all the various project miles, development milestones uh, and ultimately getting to that final investment decision as quickly as possible. So um, it's an incredible uh, moment in history for us, I think, uh, as, a, as, a, as a globe. And um, it's great to see the support and the collaboration on a worldwide scale because uh, the, this this technology is crucial to our success in the long term. Yeah. Ron, really appreciate your time and uh, give us an overview of uh, Global Lithium and also obviously the lithium market and obviously what Australia will bring to the, to the um, EV market and the EV industry. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, how can they go about doing that? I also know that you're going to be at the Mind and Money event um, next, I think next week, um, which is the 28th or 29th to the 31st. Um, so, um, yeah, if obviously people want to reach out to you and, and approach you and ask you questions, obviously they can do if they're going to be at the event. Um, but if they're not, how, how else can they uh, reach reach you and what yeah. social media platforms are you on? Yeah, sure. We're on all the major platforms, Twitter, LinkedIn. Um, I will be at Minds of Money, booth uh, A13, so please come and say hello if you're there. Um, alternatively, yeah, please feel reach out via LinkedIn. Um, send me a, a meeting request and we'll um, I'm happy to uh, have further further discussion. Yeah. Yep. And we can include those in the show notes, uh, a company's podcast cool. anyway. So um, um, really appreciate your time again. Um, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed that episode. Obviously, Lithium is here uh, and the EV market is obviously going to be the future. So appreciate if you can share this episode to everyone around the world that you that may be listening. Um, appreciate your time. And until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.